you are listening to the Next Best Series podcast, and this is my interview with the executive producer and writer for the Apple TV series Blackbird, Dennis Lehane. I never wanted this for you. I wanted a totally different life. A steady paycheck, kids, a family. Dead. Tell me there's a way out of this. Not a quick one. We would like you to transfer to another prison and befriend someone to elicit a confession. We suspect that this man killed 14 women, but we only have one of the bodies. Larry has vivid dreams. Tell me about him. In my dreams, I kill women. Those are just dreams. In this prison, where the guys? Maximum security specializing in the criminally insane. You want me to check into hell and befriend the demon? Not for all the money in the world. How about freedom? Paul's convictions on appeal. He could win and walk. You have the chance to stop him. Don't approach him too early or he'll know we sent you for him. Why are you looking at me like that? Like you know me. If it gets out that you're here to snitch, that's going to be a very unfortunate day. Accelerate your timetable. If he walks, he'll kill. Again and again. If you think you could be in danger, you are in danger. Hey, Dennis, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really, really excited to be talking with you. You have written some of my favorite stories over the last couple of years. I'm a big true crime uh, junkie over here, so I really appreciate the time today. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. So in talking about Blackbird specifically right now, one of the things that struck me the most about this show was the casting and the acting from everybody involved uh, for multitudes of different reasons. I want to first start off with Taron Egerton because I feel like he's showing new sides of himself in this particular role that we haven't seen from him yet in his prior work. So can you talk a little bit about uh, what it was like bringing him on and also uh, what made him right for this role? We were all fans of his work and and really the breadth of his work. The fact that at a very young age, he had already given so many different performances, you know, from Kingsman to Legend to Eddie the Eagle and then to Elton John and Rocketman. Um, so we knew he had the chops. And uh, one of my producing partners, uh, Bradley Thomas, got the scripts to him. He read them. He flipped. He said, I really want to do this. And we had several conversations in which it was clear that his passion alone was going to. And we felt that he was at that point in a young actor's career where he was ready for this. This was the next logical, even though it doesn't seem logical on paper, this was the next logical move to make if he could if he could handle it. And we felt he could. And then we were off to the races from that point on with with Taryn in and then coming in as an executive producer as well, we could we we could then become like a brain trust with him. And he was so 
committed and selfless um, and professional that 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 really bled down to every single person that we cast after that. And one of those being Paul Walter Hauser, who yep. I, he he too has just been like just blowing me away over the last couple of years. Uh, but here it feels like in many ways it's like a perfection on what we saw him do in Richard Jewell, where he was playing another man who we didn't really necessarily. Uh, know what his intentions were throughout the course of the story. And yet Paul Walter Hauser just has this very likable quality about him that makes you want to root for the guy, despite the fact that he's able to convey uh, inner darkness. Um, so can you just talk a bit about like just finding that fine line there, especially with that particular character, because uh, the whole story does play with the audience's emotions mm -hmm. as to whether or not if he is who people think he is or if he isn't. Yeah. And then if he is, if he is, then he's a monster. If he is the serial killer, they suspect he might be, then he's a monster mm -hmm. and, and he's irredeemable. And yet at the same time, the reason we went after somebody like Paul is because he's not simply a monster. He's a human monster. And that's, and that's a very um, complex and, and difficult thing to wrap your head around that the thing you just want to say, Oh, that's pure evil is also somebody who in this case loves his brother and um might you know might have a favorite dog and you know there's human elements to them there's there's things that give truth to this concept that as much as it's hard to accept the bad and good people it's also very hard to accept the good that exists in bad people and paul yeah. brought that paul paul then takes my words which you're saying that and his actions and then he brings just the Paulness to it all, if you will, that is an innate likability. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's a stunning performance. Yeah, definitely. And Ray Liotta, I, I, I would be remiss if I did not touch upon him here because it's heartbreaking how he died so suddenly. Mm -hmm. And here we're seeing him wither away episode by episode and just deteriorating. It, it was, it was really hard. But oh my God, what a performance at the same time. I yeah. really feel that he was reaching a new peak in his career during these last couple of years where his presence um, was being used in a way to elevate uh, any project that he worked on. And I certainly felt the case here. Uh, what can you just talk about your interactions with him and being around him in these uh, last couple of uh, months of his life? Well, he had been, you know, he had been the only only person I wanted for the role. He'd been who I wrote it for. I fought really hard to get to the point where I could get him the scripts. Um, and then when we got him the scripts, he responded in 24 hours, all six scripts, read them in 24 hours and said he wanted this part, no matter what he wanted this part. Wow. So it was, it, which was a great honor. And then, um, and then he and I began to converse a lot about, um, about the character and I understood very quickly that he was um, the, the thing I, I really dislike in almost any profession is if you ask somebody an answer, they don't know the answer, a question they don't know the answer to, and they give you word salad. I loathe that. And so did Ray. So he loved the fact that sometimes he would ask me a question. And I'd be like, I don't know. And he'd be like, why? And I'd be like, because I wrote it a year ago. And I said, I'll look it up. I'll get back to you. And so I think we liked that there was no BS to each other and we showed up to work and Ray showed up to work. I mean, he came on set ready to go and he immediately forged a bond with Taryn that felt like a father and a son. And he, then he forged a bond uh, with 
the woman who Malcolm, um, Janet, I'm sorry. Um, uh, I just completely blanked. Um, I'll come back to it. Um, yeah, with the, you're, you're not giving me word salad, so that's great. Okay. <laughs> Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Oh, he, um, uh, he formed uh, an amazing, you know, he formed a, a really playful relationship with the woman who played his wife. And um, uh, it, it, and, the thing about watching a Ray performance was every take was different. Every single take, he'd just tweak it a little bit. He'd do something. And uh, it was just a joy. It was an absolute joy to work with him. And we had planned to do the last conversation we had. Um, we, you know, he said, you, you got something for me in the next thing. And I said, of course I do. And he said, make sure it's a big part. It's okay. Um, so it, it was a real loss. It's a real loss, but I'm glad he went out with this performance. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. It was really, really quite stunning to watch him in this for sure. Uh, another thing I also wanted to ask you in regards to this series is you have written so many uh, true crime stories over the years, fictional and non-fictional alike, uh, whether they be in the novels or um, your screenplays that have been adapted for the screen and ones that you've written directly for the screen. What was it about this particular story that drew you most to it? And what was also the toughest element to bring it to life? There were two things that drew me to it. One, the first thing was that I started to see it as um, I'm a big uh, Apocalypse Now fanatic. And, I, and that's a mythological story, right? Even mm -hmm. though it's Vietnam and all this other stuff. It's a clean mythological line. And I saw this as a, a clean mythological line. It was the young man who, who was asked by his village to go out and fight a monster. And he goes out and he, and he goes into the darkness and he goes into a dark cave, which in this case was a prison and he fights the monster and he comes back out a changed man. Mm. That was the story I wanted to tell. And then the other story was, I started to think a lot about the way toxic masculinity is, is dominating a lot, you know, is infiltrating and poisoning a lot of our lives right now. And I thought there's no greater symbol of toxic masculinity than a serial killer who preys on women. And they, the charge to Jimmy is find common ground with this man. So yeah. what is the common ground? Here's this football star, this magnetic matinee idol looking, you know, young guy. And then there's this dysfunctional, unattractive, unappealing potential serial killer. Where's their common ground? Well, as men, I think it's in objectification. It's in talking about women. 
And that's what Jimmy finds is the secret. And then if he can keep that track moving correctly, he can get Larry to open up. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, this has been a very riveting uh, series to watch. Um, it's coming to Apple TV on July 8th. First two episodes, if I remember correctly, yep. and then week yep. to week after that. And uh, phenomenal performances, great writing, and a dark story to be told uh, where we reveal our true inner selves, as, you, uh, as you're saying there, Dennis. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. My pleasure. Thanks so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. You have a good rest of your day. You too. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the executive producer and writer for the Apple TV limited series Blackbird here on the Next Best Series podcast. Blackbird will debut on Apple TV Plus on July 8th with two episodes, followed by four more weeks of weekly episodes. You have been listening to the Next Best Series podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast umbrella, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, drop us a comment. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.